0: Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pats Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, here with you and my good buddy Richel, breaking down yet another wild week in the NFL. NFL came out swinging last week with some amazing games, and they lived up to the hype in Week 2 somehow. Usually there's a letdown after a week, a slate of games like we saw last week. But Rich Hill, I don't know how much football you watched this past weekend, but if this First two weeks of the NFL season is any indicator of how 2021 is going to go across this league. We better buckle up.
1: Oh, totally. You know how many like last-second sort of games were decided by just ridiculous plays, like Washington beating the Giants on Thursday Night Football kicked it off. But then you have the Rams beating the Colts thanks to uh, this really inexperienced Colts backup quarterback throwing the ball directly at Jalen Ramsey. Uh, You have the Bills absolutely annihilating the Dolphins. You have the Vikings missing a last-second field goal to lose against the Cardinals. I think it was like a. 37 yarder and everyone in minnesota is just so sad about it you had the titans beating the seahawks in overtime uh you have the chiefs losing uh enough for them a heartbreaker but for everyone else kind of uh you know catharsis the ravens beat the chiefs for the first time in what seems like forever 36 35 thanks to the last like last second exchange of turnovers uh and so the ravens were able to come out on top alec when you look around this week where do you even want to start
0: I think, Rich, we should start with what I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, believe the only undefeated team left at the AFC, the Las Vegas Raiders, who took out the Steelers 26-17. to They had a pretty solid outing last week as well. I don't know if, again, it's week two. There's a lot of football left to play. But at this point in the season, Rich, would you say the Raiders are like possible contenders this year?
1: I think so. I, so I, I'm going to put on a very weird hat here. I've always been a fan of Derek Carr. <laughs> I've always felt like he has been given a very difficult circumstance. And I feel like he's not a top five quarterback, but he's confidently in that five to ten range. And he can help them compete. You know, a few years ago, he was competing for MVP. Uh, and, and I think the Raiders have done an atrocious job of giving him an offensive line, giving him skill players around him to succeed. And it's finally coming together uh, with both a good offense and a, like, a pretty solid defense. They're not great overall, but like they're pretty solid. And so I, I think that the Raiders have as good a chance of any in the conference of winning. And you know when you compare them to the, the Broncos, the only other 2-0 team in the entire conference, I would say that the Raiders are definitely better than the Broncos. I agree with that completely. And again...
0: Being 2-0 doesn't really mean anything. Being 0-2 may mean something, especially given how, how short the season is, but 2-0 at this point. But still, they, they beat the Steelers. The Steelers are always a team. You always wonder what they're going to be every year. And they're the only team that, again, the Broncos aren't going anywhere this year, so Raiders are definitely a team to watch out for. Uh, another game I want to talk about, Rich, because it was probably the, the best game of the week and the craziest finished of the week was, as you just mentioned and alluded to, the Ravens taking out the Chiefs on a – I'll call it a gutsy call going forward on fourth and one, giving oh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes a very short field. Uh, but that's a uh, talk about trusting your quarterback. I, I think that the Ravens are, are here to stay as well. So right now the, the top of the AFC might be a three-team race.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, when you see who is at the top, uh, you know, the Chiefs, you know, they definitely lost in the last-second thing. But Patrick Mahomes is always going to compete. He is going to be at the top of that conference. So will the Ravens. I think you could – Say the Raiders, you know, until proven otherwise, are in, like, a slightly lower tier below, you know, just based off of who the competition is. But beyond the the Chiefs and the Ravens, like, basically the same as it was last year and the year before, other than those two teams, it's a pretty crushed race. You know, like, I would say the Raiders, Steelers, Bills... Uh, Uh, You could even put, like, the Titans, a healthy Browns team. All are in, like, roughly the same category. You know, I would put the Patriots in the tier below them at this point in time until Mac proves otherwise. You know, the team can go as far as their quarterback is able to take them, and we'll talk more about that later. But I think that when you look at this conference playoff picture, even if it's week two and how absurdly early that is, you definitely have a pretty clear division of the top teams versus the bottom, but there's only a couple that have really distanced themselves at the very, very top.
0: I agree with that. And in terms of kind of that cluster of teams, I think it's much more defined at this early stage in the NFC across the conference. That looks to be like a significantly stronger conference, in my opinion. The Buccaneers, Tom Brady's got nine touchdowns already. They swiped the floor with the Falcons. Tom Brady just owns that team. Aaron Rodgers looked like his old self last night against the Lions, gave him a 35-17 to win. The 2-0 Panthers, led by oh, yeah. former Jet Sam Darnold, look very solid Jets fans have to be cringing at that seeing how the Saints blew the doors off the Packers last weekend they lost to the Panthers so as of now at least this looks like the balance of power has once again shifted from the AFC to the NFC it's always interesting to me how that just kind of naturally happens every couple of years one conference is stronger than the other and it was the AFC for a long time but it might be the NFC's kind of couple of year stretch now
1: (laughs) yeah I mean again and I think that there's definitely better teams uh if you were to like rank the NFC, I would say the teams at the top of the AFC with like the the Ravens and the Chiefs can go toe to toe with any team in the NFC. I would say that the next tier of teams if we're looking at the Rams, the Panthers, the the Arizona Cardinals that are also 2 and 0, the 49ers are 2 and 0. All of these teams are they notably better than the teams in the the AFC or are there just a lot of really bad teams that they get to play against? You know, like the the Bears are not good. The Vikings are not good. The Lions are terrible. The Giants are bad. The Falcons are awful. So I am wondering if, is it truly a case of the NFC being better at the top or just being worse at the bottom and so there's easier pickings for the other teams on the NFC? And in general, just like... Less competition, I would say. If you look at the NFC, you have seven teams that are probably going to compete, and that's about it. And, and I think in the AFC, it's a lot more wide open.
0: Speaking of at the bottom, Rich, what a wonderful transition! Yes. The New York Football Jets, the Patriots played this past Sunday, beat them twenty-five to six in a game that probably should have been forty-five to six.
1: <laughs> I, I think
0: if this game had been played. In Week 7, maybe Week 10, when the offense was a little more clicking and the offensive line was healthy and the team was gelling a little more, it was an absolute blowout. Four turnovers from Zach Wilson. Mac Jones was efficient. The running game was was good. There's still some question marks, still some things to be unhappy about. If you're a certain breed of Patriots fan, you're miserable today because, you know, they didn't win by enough or didn't win the right way, but... The way I see it there's a rookie quarterback making his second start ever in the NFL on the road divisional opponent took care of the ball got the win I'm very happy with that.
1: Yeah, totally. And you also have to note that like the Patriots were playing a very different game once they got that commanding lead in the the third quarter. Uh you know, they they were up they didn't really need too much more. Uh you know, they they were up was it 23 to th- or 22 to 3? Uh, in the fourth, like heading into the fourth. And so they're in clock killing mode. They didn't really need to do too much at that point. So uh, I'll give them a little bit of leeway towards that back end. I would say for my money, this is exactly how the Patriots wanted to play for this part of the year. You know, they, they are in the first quarter of the season where they as we mentioned on our last podcast, they're trying to figure out what their identity is uh, when they're missing Trent Brown on the offensive line, when Johnnie Smith is extremely banged up there's only so much that they're able to really prove from an identity standpoint and for them to absolutely smoke the jets like this i think is a testament to the patriots ability to come together at this early point around their very young quarterback and execute their game plan because that's all they were trying to do they were running the ball well uh and mac jones made few mistakes i would say i would love for him to take more opportunities down the field but that's not what the Patriots are trying to do at this point in time. They're trying to just settle into who they are, and those deep shots can come later in the season.
0: They absolutely can come later in the season. I think there's a couple things to think about when you're looking back at this game. And look, if your criticism of the Patriots played it very safe, I guess it's a valid criticism because they did play it very safe. A lot of screens, a lot of shallow outs, a lot of wide receiver screens. I'll say at the same time, though, there's obviously at this early stage, the offensive line is not a complete unit yet. They did not have time to gel. Trent Brown was out, as you mentioned, and whoever was in there at right tackle, no matter who it was, Justin Heron, Yassir Durant, otherwise, was a sieve. Of all the sacks Mac took, they all came from the, the right side of the line, that pressure, and he didn't have a lot of time to throw downfield anyway. So while if you would be rather go to those people that has him throw an absolute dart sixty yards downfield to double coverage, that's fine. But the combination of him being a rookie, him not having as much time as he would have liked. The looks he was given by the defense, I I never understood, Rich, the criticism of preferring to hit the open man and gaining yards versus taking a shot down the field. I think that eventually there will be long passes. Nelson Aguilar is a deep threat for a reason. The only area I was really upset about, there were a couple situations you may remember during the game where it was like second and 17, or Mm -hmm. like third and and 14, and they did like a a, a wide receiver screen pass, or like a (laughs) shallow in. Like, I didn't quite understand that logic. At least take a shot at that point. Arm punt, worst case scenario. But that's a pretty nitpicky thing for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think that part of that comes with playing it safe. You know, like they're, they're not trying to do anything super mind blowing. They're trying to take the yards because that is what they're doing with Mac Jones. They are trying to take the play that is open and trying to teach him essentially take those yards, live to fight another down. And that's it. That's basically what Tom Brady always did. You know, Brady had what eventually added that deep pass, but the real strength of the Patriots offense, the real the genius behind the Josh McDaniel scheme is staying ahead of schedule and finding the open player and getting six seven yards on the ground instead of trying to take a one in three shot of picking up 30 is how they're able to lead extended drives and that's what the Patriots are trying to establish as part of their identity is making sure that they can have sustainable drives on offense and yes there was some bad offensive play calling I think that Mac Jones definitely took his fair number of sacks that were just not good sacks. Um, and, and then there were all of those penalties that, as you said, set them back early where it felt like the Patriots were kind of giving up on the drive and they would rather try to go for a slip screen where they had a very small chance of picking up yards versus having Mac Jones try to convert the first down on the deeper throw. And that was just their decision. I disagree with it. And I, I think that's where a lot of the criticism is could be valid from those naysayers who are like, I wish Mac Jones took a deeper throw, you know, is that they were kind of conceding some drives when they were in those longer yard situations because he wasn't taking those passes. And, like, you know what, it's probably a little bit on him too. He he mentioned this on the radio, and I don't think he's purely just taking one for the team with how he says this, but he's talking about how he needs to do a little bit better holding onto the ball, seeing the plays develop, because he's still young. He's still in that mindset of, I don't want to turn the ball over, because that's absolutely what the Patriots have ingrained in him. So I think blame goes a little bit all the way around with regards to making plays designed for him to pick up yards deep down the field, and also for Mac Jones to you know learn a little bit more and be able to find those plays down the field.
0: Yeah, and I guess blame is a word we should use loosely because they won the game, and they won the game comfortably. And I think it's kind of maybe just... It smacks the Patriots fandom of old where they can't just win games anymore. They have to win a certain way. They have to look a certain way. But, again, I think all those things will come. And you're so right. Such a good point, Rich. If you, if you, Those who are old enough to remember the early Brady years, Brady was not taking shots downfield. He was dinking and dunking. He was game managing. He was learning the offense. He was honing his craft and getting better. Uh, and that's what I like to see. So I was very happy with it. Uh, I think James White is going to be an absolute monster yep. this year. If, if this offensive scheme continues to evolve the way I think it's going to, he's going to be the engine of that entire offense. I thought Damien Harris ran well. Great redemption. What a run. That might have been my all time favorite Patriots touchdown run <laughs> from my back. Broke seven, broke seven tackles, bowled his way into the end zone. Matt Jones comes in for that final push. That was really, really cool to see. And it's also, Rich, like the Jets defense isn't terrible. Like, they have good players on that defense, and they had a pretty decent scheme. They were very creative on third down. So you got to keep in mind that the defense is allowed to make plays as well. And any time you can go on the road, get a division win, I'm going to take it. And I'm happy with it. I think it's good, and I think it's a good building block for next week, which is going to be an interesting game against the Saints because they looked terrible last Sunday and great the Sunday before. So who knows what they're going to be. But, um, Rich, are you concerned at all going to the defensive side of the ball? Patriots gave up 150-plus yards rushing, I believe 152 mm-hmm. on the ground. A lot of stretch runs, a couple of wheel routes they gave up, busted coverages. I know Zach Wilson threw four interceptions. He looked terrible, but a couple of those, especially that one to McCourty. I don't know where he was going with that one. A couple <laughs> were kind of gifty. Is there anything concerning you saw on the defense given how many yards on the ground they gave up?
1: Uh, I'm not super concerned. I think – What's partially notable is that a lot of the yards that they gave up was when the game was already well out of hand, right? I mean, the, the Jets gained, uh, 35 yards on the ground, uh, in the fourth quarter. And I, I, I think so much of what the Patriots did once they had that lead was kind of set down and be like, okay, let's see if Zach Wilson can win this game. And he threw a lot of balls to his slot receiver Braxton Berrios. <laughs> and that's kind of the entire offense other than letting them hand the ball off. And so part of that I think was scheme. I'm not too worried about the Patriots giving up the yardage on the ground um, because I, I think the Patriots said, you know, we're going to try and take advantage of this pass happy offense. You know, Zach Wilson threw 33 times uh, and, and he was just turning the ball over so much. And so, you know, I think the Patriots were saying, okay, we're building our early lead. If you're going to try and come back and you want to run the ball to do so, we're happy to allow it because you're just not going to be able to have sustainable drives doing that. And if you want to just continue to run the ball the entire game, have at it. And so I think that was kind of like what the Patriots have done in the past against, say, like a Peyton Manning, when they're like, "We're going to allow you to have some success running the ball, so you're going to take it out of the air," but they didn't do it because Zach Wilson is having a career year by any means. I think it was more just from a game scheme sort of standpoint.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it's really remarkable that you know the the Jets were down three scores, where they more or less had to abandon the running game, but. They kept running it because that was probably their their, their best bet. Uh, I forgot who it was. Somebody tweeted out at one point there was a Jets receiver who had more tackles and a Jets defensive lineman uh, due to all the picks that he's throwing. I forgot who was which, but that was that's just one of those things. Where, again, actually, I like Zach Wilson. I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, he might be one of those quarterbacks who just would have benefited from a year under a veteran just to learn a little bit more. But he also is a New York Jet, which means he might be doomed from the start. We'll see. I'm sure Sam Darnold could not be happier that he's out of there. <laughs> Overall, though, man, I, I, I think this, this, is, this is a good classic kind of slump buster. Patriots probably should be 2-0 right now if not for that fumble. That's okay. The AFC East is wide open. The Bills absolutely blew the doors off the Dolphins. Tua is hurt. He's got a rib injury, I believe. Who yeah. knows how much time he'll be missing. I don't think the Bills looked great. Honestly, Rich, I mean, it's early still, but and they're still the best team in the, in the, in the division. I'm not going to take that away from them. But, you know, last year, Josh Allen was a potential MVP candidate, and the Bills were easily the second best team in the AFC. I wouldn't give them that now with this early point. So with everybody being one and one, uh, there's a very good chance, can go going to run and, and do, some, do some damage this year.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think that all of the teams are beatable. Miami is very vulnerable and they were one of the teams that I thought would be pushing the Patriots for one of those wild card spots. Uh, and you know, who knows? Maybe Jacoby Brissett will be able to pull it together for the Dolphins. Uh, he definitely wasn't able to do it in this game against the Bills. Um, but I, I think that the Patriots can compete. Against anyone, as you said, they should be two and zero. I don't think that is reflective of like the caliber of their ability. The fact that they're one and one, you know, like I mean, if it comes down to a fumble and a missed field goal, or, or you know, not being able to take that field goal attempt, I'm not gonna say like they would be like a contender if they had made that because that's just bad luck. Uh, I, so I would I would say that the Patriots have a very uh, winnable streak of games coming up here uh, outside of the Bucks game in week four where Tom Brady has the ability to kind of set the, the league record for passing yards, uh, which will be kind of fun. But the Saints, Texans, Cowboys, Jets, those are all very winnable games. And, you know, you add in some games against the, the Falcons later in the year, you have a game against the Colts, Jaguars. This Patriots team, I, I think they are very much set up to be a 10-plus win scene this year.
0: Which would be great for a rookie quarterback getting 10 wins going that mythical 10 and seven, which sounds weird. Still that might get you into the playoffs as a wild card spot. I'd be all for that. Uh, One area I am early, early stage. Again, I'm saying it over and over again, but I am a little concerned about the unity of the offensive line. I'm very much willing to admit that it's Trent Brown being absent is a more big deal than we thought. And like all units that operate together like this, it takes time to gel, but you figure with wind back, with David Andrews in the center, with Shaq Mason, with Owenu. That's like four of the five guys yep. from last year. So it's not like they need like the totally new unit and they're all learning each other's kind of body language or whatever it is. But this has been an issue. Uh, Are you concerned at all, or is it still too early to to pull the plug there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think there is just such a notable caliber difference between Trent Brown and whether it's Heron or Durant. I'm a little shocked because I thought Heron was like pretty serviceable last year, but that was more on the left side, so he just hasn't been able to do on the right side. So I I think that the Patriots need to figure out what they're going to do without Trent Brown uh, if he's going to miss more time. But I I would say I'm not like super concerned at this point. I would say that some of those sacks were just due to poor awareness from Mac Jones. And I I think that some of it comes with, you know, just time and experience. So I I would say that the offensive line will continue to improve. I think on has been doing an outstanding job at left guard. uh, And I, and I think that the line overall is still pretty strong. I would say that, uh, I would like to see a little bit more, honestly, from the running backs. Uh, you know, I think Damien Harris has done a good job, but I'm, uh, I, I would like to see J.J. Taylor get some more opportunities out there. I love them utilizing James White as an actual running back as opposed to just a receiver because I think he is that good. Um, but, like, overall, I think that the offense is in a very, you know, unique position compared to previous years with the Patriots because there isn't a singular the guy. And by that, I mean, in years past, you would have Tom Brady say, all right, I'm only going to throw the ball to Julian Edelman because I don't trust anyone else. Or I'm only going to give it to, you know, Rob Gronkowski. There's none of that this year. The Patriots have been spreading the ball around so well, uh, thanks to Mac Jones. And I've been super impressed. You know, obviously, Damian Harris is the lead guy in the backfield. That's in part because J.J. Taylor hasn't had opportunities and Stevenson fumbled himself out of the lineup. And James White's just not that guy. But you look at the other options, they have four players with 10 or more targets this year. Myers, White, Johnny, and uh, Aguilar. And then you have two more with five or more, with Henry and Bourne. And with Henry coming back from an injury, I imagine he's going to join that top rank of team. And so I would say that this Patriots team is extremely well-balanced. We know who they are, and they're going to continue to build their rapport with Mac Jones. Uh, and, and I think that even with the offensive line kind of as a question mark, I love the development that we're seeing elsewhere.
0: I mean, I don't know how often a rookie quarterback hits seven different receivers, but I feel like it's the second week in a row. At least six guys have caught in the past. Six guys caught at least two. Damien Harris had one. But, yeah, I mean, look, spreading the ball around like that is what you want to see out of a quarterback. You know, Tom Brady, like all quarterbacks who have, like, an all-time great receiver, a Randy Moss or a Gronkowski, whatever, they, they have their kind of safety blankets. But if you don't really have that, and the best receiver is the guy who's open. I don't see what's wrong with that. Again, I, I understand the desire to take some shots down the field. And the Patriots are going to need to start taking some shots down the field for their own well-being. You can't just run it all the time. You can't go with the short routes. They're going to cheat the defense up, and they're going to adapt to that. It's not really a viable long-term strategy. But if you've got a quarterback who's running around and throwing the ball at will versus a guy who's taking care of it and hitting the open man, I will take the latter every single day of the week. You mentioned he wasn't perfect. You know, he takes He seems to make one bonehead rookie mistake a game. Uh, he took a sack, fumble, had the ball out. It was recovered, luckily, by New England, and there was an intentional grounding call he took where I thought yeah. he either could have maybe made the dive for the first down, and James White was kind of cutting across the middle wide open. Wouldn't have been the easiest throw, but a little dump off of James White would have gone for the first down. But other than those two criticisms, I think he was rock solid, didn't blow anybody out of the water, but didn't lose the game. This is the second week in a row, Rich, we can say the Patriots are not a liability at quarterback, and at this point, it's all we can ask for.
1: Oh, totally. And like that. <laughs> To me, that is ahead of schedule, and I think the fact that he's put them in a position to win two divisional games, which you know what, for all of the trouble that or you know as a lack of trouble that you might want to put upon the Dolphins and the Jets, there have always been tough games for New England. You know, I feel like the Dolphins and the Jets, no matter how bad that Jets team will be, they'll fight the Patriots down to a last-second field goal, and so I I think the fact that Patriots blew them out. Uh, is a testament to the Patriots being able to win a tough divisional matchup. Bill Belichick would likely say the same, and there's still a lot more for this team to be able to prove that they can do. But I think they faced the first couple of challenges extremely well.
0: I agree. Uh, again, we always know who the team's going to be around the middle of October, and I think that's triply true this year because there's two tougher opponents coming up. at the Saints are number thirteen, and the, the Dolphins or the Jets at this point. And then of course there's that Week Four. Sunday night matchup. Sometimes the football gods are smiling on us. Sometimes they're cruel. <laughs> I'm not sure how to think just yet about Tom Brady coming to Foxborough with the chance to set the all-time passing record, which is pretty much the only record he doesn't own yet against his old team. I haven't quite got to that yet. I'm not emotionally ready to deal with that yet. I'm going to take some more time and just enjoy this Jets win because anytime time I beat the Jets, it's a good day in my book.
1: Oh, totally. And I'm happy to see it happen. Uh, we'll have more on the Patriots in their upcoming games later this week. Uh, we'll break down their upcoming home uh, game against the Saints uh, this Thursday. Uh, Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week two of the NFL season?
0: Again, like I said the earlier in the podcast, if week two and week one are any indication of how this season's going to go, I may not survive it. Just heart <laughs> attack city.
1: Awesome. Well, I hope you do survive it, Alec, but I hope the games stay great. And until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya.